just said that out loud. So Psalm, <laughs> uh, if, you're, uh, if you're sitting there, you can go to Psalm 131 if you've got your Bibles with you. Uh, be praying for our people that are out and about in the field. I uh, got a, a tweet from Russ Rankin this morning somewhere in Southeast Asia. Uh, and God is just doing amazing things there. We'll hear from him when he gets back from uh, Andrew and Glenda Basher are on their way back from the Appalachia Mountains this week in West Virginia where they spent the last week uh, and talked to them and we're, we're going to put a trip together because, you know, not everybody is called to go to Haiti. I mean, I leave for India a week from tomorrow. Oh, goodness. Uh, but anyway, so uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm leaving for India for a week and not everybody's called to do that, but everybody's called to do something. So an opportunity like this where they're at and uh, it's in America, and having been there before, it's a, you don't really think, unless you've been there, you realize, wow, this is actually happening even in America. So it's an opportunity to serve that you'll be hearing more of. But be, be praying for them as they are uh, journeying back to, uh, today from there. And uh, you get your Bibles open to the book of Psalm 131. And by the way, if you see a, a little black Bible that looks like it's been road hard and put up wet, uh, duct tape all over it and stuff. That's mine. I have no idea. It's somewhere here. I know it's here. Uh, but if you see it, uh, put, turn that into lost and found. I'm going to go electronic. Psalm 131, verse 1. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Father, would you give us uh, enlightenment this morning from your word of uh, direction for us, for our moms, for our grandmoms, for each and every one of us individually, but definitely specifically for uh, the maternal among us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been watching the news lately, the mom thing has been uh, quite all over the place. It was, was it a month ago when Hillary Rosen gets on the CNN and says that uh, a specific uh, politician's wife had never worked a day in her life uh, talking about a stay-at-home mom and, of course, caused a gigantic uproar, as it should, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom. You're like, what, are you nuts? I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've found it fascinating. And, of course, there was this week our friend uh, and uh, <laughs> our, our new friend uh, Janet Groovin, I believe was her name, who found herself on the cover of the Time magazine this week and it caused an uproar as well uh, because if you didn't see it it was a little disturbing um, and so we couldn't really show it so instead <laughs> a, a calming image if you didn't see it it was a picture of a three or four year old child uh, breastfeeding on his mother on the cover of Time magazine I had actually laughed a little bit on it because I'd actually thought about this topic in Psalm 131 before that image. So I thought, well, maybe that's just God confirming 
for us. When I thought about it was because I remember a documentary a couple of years back from a, a lady in England uh, who was breastfeeding her children well into eight, nine, ten years old. And that's just something you can't unsee, you know? Like you can't, the documentary and, and these little kids are like, oh, it's better than even mangoes. Oh, like, hey, have a mango. You can have two of them, you know, just eat, eat mangoes, eat... But it was like this very disturbing thought process of like, seriously? <laughs> but I think the reason that it causes kind of an uproar, it causes kind of a, uh, well, the Twitterverse to just go nuts, is that being a mom is kind of a big deal. It, it always has been. And so when we begin to tear it down or look at it a little differently, it kind of weirds us out a little bit, right? And so when I think about moms, what I, when I think about uh, Shannon, when I think about my mom who passed away four years ago, all these amazing things that they've done that I, I hate to see it uh, denigrated. I hate to see it uh, torn down, whether it's in the media or wherever, picked apart, right? And I think it's because, again, being a mom's awesome. It's something that ought to be celebrated. I mean, we got, I think we get Father's Day. I mean, I'm glad we get our own day. And arguably, we earned it. But at the end of the day, I did not, I did not get the epidural. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, so they're getting you your own day when you've done that. I've been on the business end of four babies being born. And by God, you better get your own day if you can do that. Do you know what I'm saying? So... The Mother Day thing is amazing. And so I have really just one question for us today. And that is, what are you getting your father for Mother's Day? Mom's about to come out of your seat and claw my eyes out. My question is actually more in terms of, what are we getting our Heavenly Father for Mother's Day? You see, the thing that is intriguing when you look at the metaphors used in Scripture about God is not one of them ever will completely cover everything about him. So when Jesus said to pray our Father who art in heaven, it was a picture of God. It doesn't mean that he's a dad, but it means that that's a glimpse of eternity, a glimpse of who he is. And so we could say our Father who art in heaven because it gives us an idea of how to understand him, but it doesn't mean that he's a dad any more than him it's saying that he would cover you with his wings doesn't mean that he's a chicken, right? It just that's an element and a layer of God is that he covers us with his wings, meaning that it's like if you've ever been around a farm, little chickens just they're everywhere. And he's saying, it's just like us. I'm going to cover you guys. You're scrambling everywhere, but I'm going to get you. But one of the pictures that is in Scripture that we really don't talk about much is the picture of God in a maternal facet. The mothering instincts of God. In the New Testament, when you hear the word Spirit, it's the word pneuma, which is not a masculine word. It's a, it's a neutral word, but it's not a man word. You know, there's a passage where it refers to him as brooding, like there's the, the original Greek, the, uh, the word is, is brooding. And if you think about it, like a mom, like, uh, they're good at that. They're all over the place. I mean, they're, they're keeping up with the kids. They're hovering over them. They're, and so it begins to make sense why it says that in Genesis 3 that the Spirit of God brooded, hovered over the waters because it's part of that maternal 
picture of God. Doesn't mean he's a mom. It just means that, hey, when we see a mom doing the mom thing, knocking it out of the park, it's a glimpse of us for eternity. There's a picture of it in Isaiah 66, and you don't have to turn there just for the sake of time unless you're fast at turning there. But I want to read for you just a picture that, that, that is in Isaiah. It says that as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. In the verse right before that, it actually talks about like uh, bouncing on your knee, like putting on your knee and bringing you close to hold you just like a mama does. The word comfort, I'm going to comfort you. Interesting. What is the Holy Spirit called in the New Testament? The comforter. Parents, when your kids have a nightmare, <laughs> what side of the bed do they, for those of you that are married, what side of the bed do they go to? Dad? No. They want comfort. They're going to mama. I mean, my kids, when mama's out of town, it's a little confusing because I can hear them thundering in. It happened a couple times this week. And then they're, oh, crud, wrong side of the bed. <laughs> Come back. But it's just instinctive because they're going to the comforter, which is mom. In Genesis 16, when Abraham had just had his first child, God appeared to him in chapter 17, verse 1, right after the baby was born, and said, I am almighty God. And in that Hebrew language, the original word is El Shaddai, which is not just a great Amy Grant song, it's actually a name of God. El, two words, El, which means strong, provider, strength, father. Shaddai, interestingly enough, the word shad in the Hebrew is their word for nursing mother, breast. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. It's a father and it's a mother, a picture of both in the same God. The reason why marriage is so important is because God is painting a picture for us in a father and a mother of what he is. Then when we are operating and firing on all cylinders, we're a glimpse of that. And just as a brief time out, some of you are thinking, Darren, that's great, but I'm, I'm a single dad or I'm a single mom. And I want to encourage you just quickly to say that even in a Think of the best marriage that you can think of, the one that you should write books about. It's still insufficient in the eyes of God because we're not perfect, we're humans. And in those areas are the areas we have got to lean on the Lord more in the weaknesses of each other. And so I say that to say that if you're in a situation where you are not a father and a mother present, lean on the Lord in that area. Encourage your children to lean on the Lord in that area and know that he is a redeemer. And he can take care of it. So don't feel that guilt, that shame, that heaviness of, oh, my kid's missing out. Lean on the Lord. Lean on the Lord in that area. The El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the comforting mom, the breasted one that feeds and comforts. Dads aren't that way. I mean, we want to be, but we're more about the fist bump. We're about, when I was in sixth grade, I... Um, I had a, uh, we called them corn knives in Nebraska. That whole Children of the Corn, Stephen King movie, that changed my life. I'm like, oh, I can't ever detassel again. But it's the, 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 we called them corn knives, but they're machetes. And we would go out, I mean, literally, you guys that are teenagers, 12, 13 years old, working in the fields every summer, 
uh, that's how we bought school clothes. So I would use my little machete to uh, cut weeds. And so uh, it was morning time. My dad was working a night shift, had just got home, had just gone to bed, had apparently achieved REM pretty quickly. Because um, I'm out in the yard and I'm cutting away at some stuff and I have shorts on and I'm like, and I literally popped my left knee wide open. I had just sharpened it and I hit it right up by the blade and the handle so I got it right where it's really sharp. It didn't make a sound, it just kind of bumped. And at which point I saw my kneecap. The whole thing went whoop. And, and I've told you before that I was a weird kid, but this might actually prove it. I didn't actually cry, like it didn't even occur to me. To cry. I just looked at it and thought, well, that's... So I'm like, I'm trying to hold it together and go get my dad, because my mom's not home and there were no cell phones. There was a time actually where the phones were actually attached to a wall. And so... So I go get dad, and I'm literally like, I'm trying, like blood is coming through my fingers, and he wakes up and literally is completely catatonic, and I swear to you I'm not making this up, takes the, as many band-aids as he can find in the medicine cabinet, tapes it back together, and goes back to bed. But dads, think about it, like walk it off. You've never heard a mom say, walk it off, son. Within a matter of minutes, my sock was completely soaked in blood. The band-aids had soaked off because it was just, it, was, it wasn't working. So I finally, I, I mean, I didn't know what to do, and Dad wouldn't wake up, so I called my grandma, his mom. You can imagine how well that went. Fifteen stitches later, I believe to this day there is still a scar on my father's right and left butt cheeks from where grandma and mom both just took turns <laughs> chewing him out. How could you? Clarence, Tyler. I was like, I'm over here. I'm over here. I need some more pain meds. That really hurts. Um, but as a father, we don't kind of get that and you don't really feel the, the comfort that comes from a mom the nurturing that comes from mom. And it's why sometimes when you think, man, what is, is God this or that? And God's this strong one. He is the creator of the universe, the all-powerful. And he's this nurturing, caring, loving God. Both of them in the same. In the Garden of Eden, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but Adam and Eve, she didn't get a name until after the fall. They were meant to be one, joined together, quite literally, spiritually. I mean, you know what I mean? There were not, there was not a, so one of the challenges that a woman has always faced is that when that separation occurred and she got a name and she got her own identity, there's always been this struggle because, well, where do I fit in this? And that's why in Genesis, when it talks about the fall, the part of the curse of a woman was that she would desire him, but the, the idea being desire his place his position because it was hers in the beginning and in perfection and in a marriage the reason why a man and a woman are different created different it's so that together coming together we are a picture of God strong provider walk it off that happened this morning I'm probably gonna need to apologize to Ashley we're doing family pictures and someone's like, hey, Ashley, you need to get rid of your cell phone. And so she's 12, and she did uh, what a 12-year-old does, which is pff, just throw it. I'm like, hey, 
don't ever. So we're literally, we're standing here all smiling in a group. Don't ever, ever do that again. Ever. Ever. Which point, Shannon goes, it's okay, Ashley. It's okay. She needed to hear the don't ever do that again. Probably not as much as I gave it to her, in fairness. But she needed to be comforted. And together, a picture of God, even in our imperfection, in a family photo for our 12-year-old daughter. (laughs) It says in Zephaniah 3 that he would rejoice over us with singing. He will rejoice over you with gladness and his love and rejoice over you with singing. Dad's don't do that. If you do, just, I don't want to know. Now, on occasion, we will, uh, we do the Tyler dance party. We'll click in the iPod and we'll, you know, on the way to school, jam to some Bieber or whatever. And, but it's, it's not the singing over them at night, loving lullaby mama singing that God is speaking of here. It's a picture of a mom The Holy Spirit, it says, would remind us of what he, all the things that he had said. I don't know how many husbands even over the weekend, but when your wife's out of town, how many times you've got a text? Okay, what time was this? What time is that? Where, where does this happen? Where It's a reminder because moms just don't forget that. There's a lot of stuff cranking up here. Shannon's got it written down, but it has nothing to do with the paper. It's what's going on up here. It's like there are all these things going on, all these places, and she knows them all. Last Saturday, about 9 o'clock, the kids were hungry. And you know why they were hungry? I forgot dinner. Oh, it was 10, actually. So I threw some chicken nuggets in the oven, 10 o'clock, and Maddie, I think, ate at 11 that night. She, we, we have a ride of chicken nuggets, Shannon, actually, FYI. And then on Sunday, I'm literally, oh, man, we got to think, what do we do for dinner? So I'm literally in the, in the fridge digging out. Our dinner menu last, and I want you to know I'm not exaggerating. Our dinner menu last week, pork chops, watermelon, a bagel, and a popsicle. <laughs> that was it. That was dinner. And they all survived. But here's the thing. In the picture of God, though, the the mother, I mean, I swear to you that if Shannon was not in our life, our kids may or may not eat vegetables ever. But it's not even, you know, it's not fun to be that person, but that's the mom's job sometimes. And moms, I know that when you get home and they're like, oh, we had a blast with dad, man, it was awesome. We didn't do anything but play video games. And and you might think, well, it's still fair. I got to be the mean, this and that. It's a part of the picture of who you are as a mother, the brooding, the mama bear, the protective, the picture of God. You want to see a picture of God? Watch a child with his mother when something's going wrong, whether it's at a school or a hospital. And I mean, the bear claws are out. Mess with one of my children, I dare you. As a father, we do it, but it's in a different way. Well, we'll talk about that on Father's Day. You may not want to be here on Father's Day, Daddy. Maddie, we can talk about your boyfriend. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just sorry. She does not have a boyfriend. I'm sorry, honey. Um, I know that you think I'm rambling, and perhaps I am. But I just, the picture that I hope to accomplish in your mind this morning is that God is a father, a mother. He's all these pictures, but together El Shaddai, the almighty, all-powerful, all-caring, all-nurturing, all-mama-bear-one 
in one God. And so my question maybe again would be now, what are we going to get our Lord, our Heavenly Father for Mother's Day? I think that David, the passage that I read at the beginning, gives us a great example of what it is possibly that we could get. When he says in verse 1, Lord, my heart is not haughty, and nor are my eyes lofty. He's saying, look, I, there are a lot of things I don't even understand. I don't get it. There are things, matters that I don't understand. And saying, I don't understand them, says, nor do I, neither do I concern myself with these great matters, nor with things too profound for me, saying, I don't understand them, and I am done trying to have an opinion about them. I'm done trying to figure out a status update about it. I'm done trying to get my position known publicly, and I'm just done, and I'm saying that like, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. He's expressing a childlike faith, but at the same time expressing it in a way that says, Hey, when you're a baby, you guys have met, if you haven't, my sweet little Ashley, 12 years old, smiley, sweet, but I'm telling you, when she was a baby, I have conscious memories of standing outside of restaurants, calming her, trying to get her to quit crying. She would, I mean, scream. When we would do drives to Minnesota, which is not very near here, you would, uh, there were moments of like white knuckle because she's in right behind me. And we thought Maddie was actually a quiet little demure little baby. So what's everybody talking about? This isn't that hard. Oh. <laughs> so she was just, and just, you know what I mean? That, that sound, parents, and some of you know it right now because you actually have babies that are hungry, right? Now here's the thing. That's actually normal when they're a baby. They, they, they only know just a handful of things. They know feed, burp, Sleep, kind of, well, there's actually a couple more, but they, crying because they need it. But the, what he's saying is that there's a point where I got to kind of get beyond that. When I don't understand why mama doesn't feed me right now because we're flying down the interstate, I'm going to scream and cry about it. But the reason why a picture of a 10-year-old breastfeeding is disturbing is because it's not normal. But here's the beauty of this. I want us to never forget that picture in our minds for one reason, and that is as a follower of Christ, at some point I got to quit trying to latch on. I got to let go and say, oh, I'm, I'm actually older than that. I've been in the Lord a lot longer than this. And so when Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 3 that I came to you wanting to feed you meat, but I couldn't because you were still drinking milk. And by the way, they didn't go to the store and get a gallon of milk. He was speaking specifically of nursing. He said, I wanted to give you that, but you haven't grown past that. So I had to keep giving you more milk. And it is abnormal as it is to be an eight-year-old boy in England feeding on your mama. And at some point as believers, when you're babies, you got to grow up. He's not asking us to be fully understanding, fully cognizant. Jesus said you have to become as a little child. Not childish, but childlike. But part of being a child is putting away that part of it and moving on to, because, hey, the great news, if you're a baby, there are stakes out there 
and they're awesome. And I know that you, you know, tastes better than mangoes, but it's steak. Do you understand? There's a comfort thing that at some point you're pulling back, but knowing that, hey, oh, wait, I mean, I get to eat every two hours on the clock, but uh, hey, breakfast, lunch, dinner, there's going to be food on the table because I'm trusting my heavenly father. And you're like, Darren, this is a weird Mother's Day sermon, admittedly. But the point I'm hopefully driving home is the gift we can give to our heavenly father is not dissimilar for a gift that a baby can give to his or her mama. Let her sleep through the night. Wean ourselves from that part of our Heavenly Father relationship. If you're a young in the Lord, absolutely, that's part of the, the journey of growing. But at some point, you're out of the nursery. you got to let go. And I think that what some of us have a pro- what I have a problem with doing, is I, I'm kind of like that crying kid on the airplane. And if you've traveled, you know that, or it might have been yours or my kid crying on the airplane. And everybody around is just like, could you shut that kid up? Of course, if it's your kid, you understand. You know, it's a, but that's what I'm getting at is that when we are on that airplane and everybody around it, that when we are in that moment of the unweaned child crying, wanting to get our way two, three years old on an airplane, it affects everybody around us. Which is why I think that in 1 Corinthians 3, when Paul talks about growing from milk into meat, that the symptom that he says of a lack of maturity, of being a baby in Christ, is envying and strife. And In other words, my lack of faith in him means that I'm, instead of taking a problem I've got with somebody directly to them, or taking a problem I've got directly to the Lord, I take it to everybody. I turn into that crying kid on the plane, and everybody going, could somebody shut him up? I say to you this morning, I think the best gift we could give our Heavenly Father this morning for Mother's Day is our trust, our faith, to let go, to stop trying to claw and latch on. I, I can't let go of that part of my life, God. And just, I trust you, God. Bounce on his knee for a little bit, rest in him. I mean, I don't have a lot of memories from being little, but I remember on my grandma's lap, I would just fall asleep watching The Incredible Hulk on Friday nights. Because it was safe there. There was a comfort there. And it's the best gift we can give our Heavenly Father quickly, and then we're going to land this thing. There are some things in our lives that we truly, just like David, don't understand. Matters, and we've talked about these, it seems like forever, but I just, I know what's going on in a lot of our lives, and there are things we don't understand, things that are coming down on us, all around us. It's not unlike Hezekiah in Isaiah 37 when the king of Assyria sent his messenger to say, we're coming for you, buddy. And he, it says, and I love this picture, he, he wrote him a letter, and so the, uh, the messenger shows up, and Hezekiah takes this letter, the scroll, and it says he took it to the house of the Lord and then laid it before the Lord, laid these matters before the Lord and left them there. David would say, I, these are too high and mighty. I don't know, understand, I don't get it. So I'm like a weaned child going to quiet my soul. Hezekiah is saying, I don't get it. I'm just going to leave this in the house of the Lord and lay it before you, God, and trust that you got it. 
when you're a teenager, there are a lot of things that feel like the end of the world are coming down all around you. School and relationships and serious things going on in your life and they're just things that you don't understand and you want to and you can't. The Lord would just say, just take it, lay it before him, lay this matter before him, lay it in the house of the Lord, in front of the Lord and give it to him. There's a picture of this in Matthew 15 of a lady that came to Jesus and it says that she cried out to him. She cried and she cried and she cried. She cried, son of David, have mercy on me. She was a mother. She had a daughter that was possessed of a demon. Son of David, have mercy on me. It says that she cried that. She was a Syrophoenician. She was a Canaanite woman. She was not Jewish. But she had heard, obviously, that Jesus could help her. So when she saw him, she cried. And it says that Jesus just kept walking. Moms, you have that ability sometimes to tune it out to say, you know what, I know what that cry is, and that is the cry is not going to be rewarded for your behavior. She cried and she cried, and the disciples finally said, Master, like the guy on the plane, shut that kid up. And it says that Jesus turned to his disciples and he said to them that, you know, I've come for uh, the, the lost sheep of Israel. And he said this in a way that she overheard it. And what's interesting, though, is at that moment, something switched in her she stopped crying out and says that she worshiped him and at that moment jesus turned to her and they dialogued and her daughter was delivered why wouldn't jesus have just answered her cry to begin with there's probably a hundred of them some of you guys are seminary students you could tell me i would suggest one of them she's crying out son of david have mercy on me she was Syrophoenician, she was Canaanite, she was not Jewish. That was a Jewish idiom. It was son of David. She was just trying to do the formula that she had heard other people do. Son of David, have mercy on me. It wasn't her language. It wasn't her authentic self crying out for mercy. It was her just ringing the bell, doing what she thought she had to do to try to get Jesus to move. Son of David, have mercy on me. Because the formula that she heard And it wasn't until she finally quieted herself and thought, she heard the explanation and I don't understand that, so I'm just going to worship. Just get on my knees and worship. And interesting because Jesus, he responded to that. There's probably a hundred other reasons. I would just suggest you that might be one of them. That you might be in a moment where you don't understand it, why the job didn't work out, why relationship didn't work out why you got to take this class and not that class these things are big deals right and I don't understand it why we got to move why is this happening and our tendency and our temptation might be to cry and to cry and I'm not suggesting we can't go to him and cry and, and, and pray in authenticity about it but you know the difference you understand there's a difference between a crying and a screaming little baby brat cry that is not normal when you're five. It's normal when you're zero. But you know how it is when your little five-year-old does, or maybe sometimes when they're three, they do that first time in Target where they just drop to the ground like it's a fire drill, but it's just because they wanted something. That's not normal. 
at some point, you got to grow up, and that's part of the growing up process. And I would say to you this morning, the best gift we can give our Father for Mother's Day is even if it's just for today, just grow up a little bit. Just to, okay, I'm not going to freak out on this one. Because the truth is, is Ashley going to Minnesota, she could cry all she wanted to. We're still going to Minnesota. It's up to her how she's going to enjoy or not enjoy this trip. But she had a father that cared. She had a mother that nurtured. And I was strong. I'm driving. I'm L. <laughs> and next to us is Shaddai, Mama. Just comforting. She never freaked out. It was the weirdest thing. I'd be like, ah. She'd be like, no, no, baby, it's okay. And it's like, like a little pterodactyl sitting right behind my head. Mama loved it. But could we be more like a weaned child? Could we stop trying to treat the hand of God like we're trying to nurse on him? God's hand is good and it's gracious and it is amazing, but it is not made to get milk from. It's not Mork and Mindy baby style. If you're over 40, you might understand what I just said. Because we have an opportunity to say to God, I'll take your hand to hold and to hug me, to love on me, but not just to see what I can get out of it. Because I'm a weaned child. Send me to the kitchen where there's steak where there's potatoes, where there's food to be offered so that we don't show up in prayer next time. I don't know how old it is, is the right age when a baby should stop nursing on his mother. I'm sure that's it though. Like if you're shaving, you're too old. Today, give your father that. When he says without faith it's impossible to please him, we can please him today by trusting him. Just letting him know that he's got it under control. Because let me tell you what, when you're a little baby, part of the reason you're screaming and crying is because I'm hungry right now. Right now. And what you learn as you get older is I can wait a little bit. Mama's got it. There'll be food there when it's time. There'll be a beverage there when it's time. And in the meantime, I can just kick back, relax, and enjoy the drive to Minnesota like a weaned child. I hope you never forget that image. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I wish we all could forget the image. But if you can't, channel it. <laughs> Think in terms of, I'm growing up in the Lord. I'm growing up a little bit. I don't have to freak out and panic. And understand this, God loves you anyway, just like Shannon, I mean, she loves the kids when they're screaming or hollering or when they rolled around in Target because they wanted something. She still, he still loves you, but part of loving you is just saying, you don't have to live like this. It doesn't have to be this way. It's not that complicated and dramatic in life when you're growing up in the Lord. It's the drama is the drama that I've created in it. And I could just relax. So as we get a chance to worship for just a while longer on, on a Mother's Day. I wonder if there are some questions in our minds of things that I don't understand. And I don't mean to belittle any of your circumstances because I know, man, there are some big things going on. 
But maybe you can say like David, I don't understand all of that. But I can be like, it says Israel, but Israel means governed by God. And what was true for Israel could be true for us. In Psalm 131, he says that Israel, you guys, governed by God, your hope, your absolute expectation of something good is in God. Like a weaned child. And I know that it's hard and that it's sad, some things that are happening in your lives. But your God is good and he loves you and he's got it under control. And so maybe today, even if it's just for today, to picture yourself climbing up on his lap, on a mama's lap and just loving on him and letting him love on you knowing that that's the comfort he offers, it's the comfort he promised, it's the comfort. He said that I will send another comforter, it's the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, the mama in us. Our hope is not in that I can figure this out, our hope is not in that you figure this out, our hope isn't in the job, hope isn't in the new house, hope isn't in the relationship. Governed by God, your hope is in the Lord. And I don't get it right most days, but man, when I do, it's just awesome. It's just like sleeping on grandma's lap. That's what he meant when he said we could rest in him, that rest that he promised us. It's not a physical rest as much as it's this spiritual and emotional rest. We don't have to get ourselves worked up over. And the matters are too great for me, just lay them before the Lord like Hezekiah. Crawl up onto mama and go to sleep. Lord, would you um, reveal to us this morning those places that I can stop being a sniveling, crying baby about? I know that I've got mine, and I know that others have theirs as well. And, and God, for those that actually, they're intense and serious things, we know that you're greater than those things, and that you're the mama bear. And you got it under control. My hope is not in me. My hope is not in how clever, smart, or hard I can work. My hope is in you, Lord. Those of us governed by God this morning, our hope is in you. Thank you, Jesus. He said in Isaiah 49 that as a nursing mother would not forget her child, so I will not forget you. I might have forgot dinner last night, but I assure you, if you're a nursing mama especially, you don't miss it when the baby's hungry. He said in Isaiah 49, as a nursing mother has, uh, will not forget her child, I will not forget you. And he actually says, and even if she would, I still won't forget you because I've engraved you on my hands. It's Isaiah 49. When did he do that? I'm assuming and I'm right. I just told, I believe that it's not like he wrote a note on his hand so he wouldn't forget us. I believe that it was engraved on his hands the moment when he spread his arms out and allowed it a nail to be driven through his right and his left hand. El Shaddai, the all-powerful God of the universe, would like a mother lay down his life for his kids. Sacrificially, and on that day, my name, your name was engraved on his hand, it says in Isaiah 49, because he loves us that much. 
And so I may not understand this over here, but I understand that a God that would do that is good and kind and caring and has it all under control. So might we worship him with the understanding of those hands with my name and your name written on them. And when he holds out his hands to you, he sees your name on them. My name. We've got communion available. It's a perfect way to remember on Mother's Day or any day what the Lord has done in his hands and his nurturing and his love for us, that it covers it all. There's going to be a bucket appear to you at some point out of nowhere. Don't be startled. That's just our opportunity to worship the Lord with our giving. And it is an act of worship. I, the word worship service is hysterical to me. We are, worship isn't our service. Service is our worship. We're serving him with our lives, with our money and our finances as part of that. So that bucket will be there and that's why that's coming. But don't let yourself get distracted from the real point, which is that mama, mama God wants to love on you a little bit this morning. So as we worship, would you let him do that? Would you let the Lord do that and give him the best Mother's Day gift you could, which is your trust and your faith? Let's worship him.